Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. I know they are. I don't know why those ones are bigger for kids. Peyton is kind of a tarot card reader. No, not kind of. I am. And she's very, very into astrological signs. Peyton, tell me something about an Aries. Um, well, one of the... You're a Leo. No, I know. I just picked one randomly. Uh, so, Leo... Okay. Aries. Aries and... Um, Aquarius go together really like they are besties no way okay tell me something about um a Pisces Pisces um Molly's a Pisces I know okay. so is Neela yep so is Neela um I'm trying to remember so so we I mean no <laughs> Pisces are a water sign yeah and um Oh, so their best friend is like pretty sure it's a cancer. That is incredible that you know all this information. Okay, you really want to do Leo. Tell me something about Leo. <laughs> well, um Leo and Sagittarius go along. Really? No, not Sagittarius. I mean um uh, uh yeah, Sagittarius. Cool. Sorry, I get Sagittarius and um, Scorpio mixed up. You should um, bring your horoscope, your kid's horoscope book to school, too. Oh, yeah. You want me to grab it? Kid's horoscope? Mm-hmm. Mm. Why? Just, uh, no. Okay. You don't want to bring it? No. You're like, um, I already memorized everything, so I'm good. I'm kind of good. I'm yeah. good. Thanks, though. Yeah. Thanks for the bad um, advice. Or suggestion. Yeah. Okay, bye. No, thank yeah. you. Thanks. Sorry, not sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, you completely passed out for the last episode last night. Like, out. Like, two minutes in, your mouth was open. I was like, ah, uh, yeah. She fell asleep hard. Okay. Chapter 9, A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket. Book the 11th, The Grim Grotto. Okay, this book's not as bad as the other ones have been. Not that they've been bad, but they've just books been. This series has been dragging, man. I know the listeners can feel it too. Goodness, and we're doing an episode of Lemon of um. Yeah, Lemony Snicket. We're doing an episode of. Actually, we might do two of these because these are short right now, but I do want to do a Heidi Hecklebeck. So let's see if we can fit it all in. Chapter 9. If you're considering the life of villainy, and I certainly hope you are not, there are a few things that appear to be nice to every villain's success. One is the villainous disregard for people, so that villains may talk to his or her victim completely impolitely, ignore their pleas for mercy, and behave violently towards them if the villain is in a mood that is that sort of thing. Another thing that villains require is villainous imagination so that they might spend their free time dreaming up treacherous schemes in order to further their villainous careers. Villains require a small group of villain cohorts so that they can be persuaded to serve the villain in a hench personal capacity. 
and villains need to develop a villainous laugh so that they simultaneously celebrate their villainous deeds and frighten whatever non-villainous people happen to be nearby. A successful villain should have all of these things in his or her villainous fingertips or else give up villainity altogether and try to lead a life of decency, integrity, and kindness, which is much more challenging and noble, of if not quite as exciting. Count Olaf, of course, was an excellent villain, a phrase here which means someone who particular someone particularly skilled in villainary. <laughs> a villainy. <laughs> villainy rather than a villain with several desirable qualities. And the Baudelaire orphans had known this soon after that terrible day at Briny Beach when the children learned the terrible fire began so many of the unfortunate events of their lives. But as the Queequeg trembled the mouth tumbled into the mouth of its dreadful octopus submarine it seemed that the orphans had a villain that had become more villainous during his brief absence of their lives olaf had proven his villainous disregard for people over and over from his vicious murders of the children's guardians to the affinity for arson a phrase here which means enthusiasm for burning down buildings no matter how many people were inside but the children noticed that olaf's disregard had become more and more dreadful as the queequeg passed through the the gaping mouth and was roughly tossed from side to side in a mecha- in a mechanical imitation of swallowing, forcing Violet, Klaus, and Fiona too, of course, to hang on to their dear life in the main as the main hall rolled its way that spring and sunny in her helmet like a watermelon in a washing machine, and the count displayed his villainous imagination. On a number of occasions, from his dastardly schemes to his steal the Baudelaire's fortune to his nefarious plots to kidnap Duncan and Isidore Quagmire. But the siblings gazed out of the porthole and saw that Olaf's infernal imagination had utterly wild decorating, wild and decorating his terrible submarine. For the Queequeg rolled along the rumbling tunnel and that was almost as dark and threatening as a Gorgonian grotto, which everyone in its metallic metallic walls covered the eerie glowing eyes the count always had an assortment of cohorts from his original theatrical troupe to many who many who were no longer with him to some former employees of the caligari carnival but the orphans saw that he had lured many others to join him when the tunnel rounded the corner and the eldest baudelaire had a brief glimpse of an enormous room full of people long metal oars activating the terrible metal arms of the octopus and perhaps worst of all, when the Queequeg finally came to a shuddering stop and Violet and Klaus looked out the porthole, they learned that the villain had clearly been rehearsing his villainous laugh until it was extra wicked and the more theatrical than ever. Count Olaf was standing on a small metal platform with a triumphant grin on his face, dressed in a familiar suit made of slippery-looking material, but with the portrait of another author who seemed very devoted to reader who would recognize who would recognize and when he peered wait it doesn't make sense looking material but with a portrait of another author whom only a very devoted reader would recognize and he, when he peered through the porthole and spied the frightened children he opened the mouth and began his new villainous laugh which included new wheezes bonus snarls and an assortment of strange syllabus syllables that the Baudelaire's had never heard Ha 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 he 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 boho he cried tee he tor 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 cha ha ha cha cha ha ha sniggle he 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 ha if I say so myself what does he do that in the movie I can't remember he must 
With a boastful gesture, he hopped off of the platform, drew a long, sharp sword, and quickly traced a circle on the glass of the porthole. <sighs> While a cloth covered their ears as the sword shrieked away from the window. Then, with a flick of his sword, Olaf sent the glass tumbling to the main hall. There it lie, unbroken on the floor, and leapt and leapt through the porthole into a large wooden table and laughed at them even further. I'm splitting my sides, he cried. I'm rolling on my aisles. I'm nauseous with mirth. I'm rattling with glee. I'm seriously considering compiling a joke book from all these hilarious things bouncing around in my brain. Hop, hop, ha, ha, hemi, hemi, hee, hee. Violet, da- yeah. Violet dashed forward and grabbed the helmet, which Sunny was still in, curled in so that Olaf could not kick kick it as he pranced triumphantly on the top of the table so she could not she could not bear to think of her sister who was inhaling the poisonous medusoid mycelium as olaf wasted precious minutes of his tiresome new laugh stop laughing count olaf she said there's nothing funny about villainy oh sure there is violet sure there is olaf cried ha ha hat hat rack what weird just think of it i made my way down the mountain found a piece of your toboggan scattered all over some very sharp rocks teehee torpid's nickel and i thought you had drowned in a stricken stream and you were swimming with all those coughing fish a ha ho hagfish it was a broken i was broken hearted you weren't broken hearted klaus said you've tried to destroy us plenty of times well that's why i was broken hearted olaf said ho ho snickle i personally planned to slaughter you bodelaires myself after i had your fortune of Jeez. course and pry the sugar bowl out of your dead fingers or toes Violet and Klaus looked at one another hurriedly. They had almost forgotten telling they had almost forgotten telling Olaf that they knew the location of the sugar bowl, even though they of course had no idea of his whereabouts. To cheer myself up, the villain continued, I met my associates at the Hotel de Nou Dumont, where they were cooking up a little scheme of their own and convinced them to let me lend me a handful of new recruits. The older Baudelaire knew that this that the associates <sighs> Um, she knew the associate was the man with a beard and no hair and the woman with no hair, with hair, but no beard. Two people so sinister that even Olaf seemed to find them a bit frightening. And that new, two new recruits of the snow scouts and these, that these villains had recently kidnapped. Tee hee turncoat. Thanks to their generosity, I was able to get this submarine working again. Sniggle ha ha ho. Of course, I note I need to be back to the hotel, Dumont, before Thursday. But in the meantime, I have a few days to kill, so I thought I'd kill some of my old enemies. Hee hee, Halbert Sniggle. So I began roaming the sea, looking for Captain Wooderson's and his idiotic submarine on my sodar detector. Tee hee, Toxolotus. But now that I've captured the Queequeg, I'll find you, Bod- I find you, Baudelaire's aboard. It's hilarious. It's humorous. It's droll. It's relatively amusing. How dare you capture this submarine, Fiona cried. I'm the captain of the Queequeg, and I demand that you return this to the sea at once. I, Count Olaf peered down at the mycologist. I, he repeated. You must be Fiona, that little fungus freak. Why, you're all grown up. Last time I saw you, I was trying to throw your, I was trying to throw thumbtacks into your cradle. Ha ha hoi polary. What happened to Wittershins? Why isn't he the captain? My stepfather is not. Around at the moment, Fiona replied, blinking her triangular gla- behind her triangular glasses. Teehee terry cloth. As Olaf said, your stepfather abandoned you, eh? Well, I suppose it was only a matter of time. Your whole family could never choose which side of the schism they were- was theirs. 
Your brother used to be a goody-goody as well, trying to prevent fires instead of encouraging them. But eventually, my stepfather has not abandoned me, Fiona said, though her voice faltered a bit. A phrase here which means, sounded as if she weren't sure. She didn't even add I to her sentence. Well, we'll see about that, Olaf said, grinning wickedly. I'm going to lock all of you in a brig, which is the official seafaring term for jail. We know what the brig is, Klaus said. Well, then you know it's not a very pleasant place, the villain said. The previous owner used to hold traitors captive, and I see no reason to break that tradition. We're not traitors, and we're not leaving the Queequeg, Violet said, and held up the the diving helmet. Sunny tried to say something, but the growing fungus made her cough instead. And Olaf frowned at the coughing in the helmet. What's that? he demanded. Sunny's in here, she said, and she's very ill. I was wondering where the baby brat was. I was hoping she was trapped underneath my shoe, but I see that's just some ridiculous book. He lifted a slippery foot out of the revel uh, to reveal Mushroom Minatui, the book Fiona had been using for her research, and kicked it to kicked it off the table where it skittered into the far corner. There is a very clear deadly poison inside this helmet, Fiona said, staring back at at that uh, at that wait, at the helmet. Fiona said, staring back in frustration, I, if Sunny doesn't receive an antidote within the hour, she'll perish. What do I care? Olaf growled, once again showing his his villainous disregard for other people. I only need one Baudelaire to get my hands on the fortune. Now come with me. Ha ha, handiwork. We're staying right here, Klaus said. Our sister's life depends on it. Count Olaf drew his sword again and traced a sinister shape in the air. I'll tell you what your life depends on, he said. Your lives depend on me. If I wanted, I could I could drown you in the sea or have you strangled by the arms of this mechanical octopus. It's only out of the kindness of my heart because I am, because of my own greed that I'm locking you in the brig instead. Sunny coughed inside the helmet, and Violet thought quickly, if you let us, if you, if you let us help our sister, we'll tell you where the sugar bowl is. Olaf's eyes narrowed, and he gave the children a wide, toothy grin. It's two Baudelaire's remembered from so many of their trouble times. His eyes shone brightly as if they were telling a nasty joke under his unbrushed teeth. You can't try that trick again, he sneered. I'm not going to bargain with any orphan, no matter how pretty she may be. Once you get once you get to the brig, you'll reveal where the sugar you'll reveal where the sugar bowl is, or one of my henchmen gets his hands on you, or should I say, hooks, tee hee torture. Count Olaf leapt back to the porthole as Violet and Klaus looked at one looked at one another in the face. They knew Count Olaf was for was referring to the hook handed man who had been working with the evil the the villain as long as they had known him, and was one of their least of favorites comrades of Olaf's comrades. I could race up the I could race up the rope ladder, Violet murmured, and fire up the engines with the Queequeg. We can't take the submarine underwater. We, we can't take the submarine underwater with the window gone, Fiona said. We'd drown. Klaus put his ear up to the diving helmet and heard his sister whimper and then cough. But how can we save Sunny? Time is running out, he asked. Fiona eyed the far corner of the room. I'll take that book with me, she said, and hurry up, Count Olaf cried. I can't stand around all day. I have plenty of people to boss around. I, Fiona said, as Violet, uh, as Violet, still holding Sunny, led Klaus through the porthole to join Count Olaf on the platform. I'll be there in a second, she said, and the mycologist took one instant step towards the mushroom Minatui. You'll be there now, Olaf growled and shook his sword at her. He hesitated. 
he who hesitates is lost. He, he, sniggle. Oh, so he probably took her stepfather, huh? Uh. The mention of the captain's personal philosophy. Fiona sighed and stopped. Hold on, sorry. Fiona sighed and stopped her furtive journey. A phrase here which means sneaking towards a mycological book where she's, or she's, or she, she said quietly but stepped through the porthole to join the Baudelaire's. On the way to the brig, I'll give you a grand tour, Olaf announced, leading them around the metal room that was serving as a big, uh, that was serving, what did I just, oh, serving as a sort of a brig for the Queequeg itself. There were several inches of the water, of water on the floor to help, to help the captured submarine move around in the tunnel, and the Baudelaire's boats, boots made a loud wet splashing noise as they followed boasting villain the boasting villain. While Sunny coughed again in her helmet, Olaf pressed an eye to the wall and a small door slid open with a sinister whisper to reveal the corridor. This submarine is one of the greatest I've ever stolen, he bragged. It is everything I'll ever need to defeat defeat VFD once and for all. It is a solar system so I can ride, so I can rid the seas of VFD submarines and it has an enormous fly swatter so I can get rid of the VFD planes. It has a lifetime supply of matches so I can rid the world of VFD headquarters. And it's, it has several cases of wine, which I plan to drink up myself and close in a closet full of very stylish outfits for my girlfriend. And best of all, it has plenty of opportunities for the children to do hard labor. Hee hee, henadosium. Well, I don't understand how that's like an evil laugh. I'm going to have to hear it. Gesturing with his sword, he led the children around the corner to an enormous room that they'd gl- Room, the room they had a glimpse of was the que- as the Queequeg tumbled inside this terrible place. It was quite dark, with only a few lanterns hanging from the top of the tall pillars scattered around the room. But Violet and Klaus could only see two large rows of uncomfortable looking wooden benches, which sat a crowd of children hurried hurriedly working long oars that stretched the room and even beyond the walls where they slid through the metal holes in the in order to control the tentacles of the octopus the elder baudelaire's recognized some of the children from the two, the troop of snow scouts that they had encountered in the mount mormaine mortmaine mountain and a few of them Mort, looked you said i know eight, i know it's too much and a few looked quite a bit like other students at proof rock preparatory school which were the which were the siblings first had encountered Carmelita Spatz, but some of the others were children from with the boat from whom the Baudelaire's had no prior experience with. A phrase here which means who had probably been kidnapped by Count Olaf and his associates on another occasion. The children looked very weary, quite hungry, and more than a little bored as they worked the metal oars back and forth. In the very center of the room appeared to be another octopus, this one made up of slippery cloth. Six of the octopus's arms hung limply at its side, but two of them were were waving high in the air, one of them clutching what looked like a long, damp noodle. "'Row faster, you stupid brats,' the octopus cried in a familiar, wicked voice. "'We have to get back to the Hotel du Monde before Thursday, and it's Monday already. "'If you don't hurry, I'm going to hit you with this tal... "'What? Tal... Tal... Whoa, 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 hold on. This word is cut off. Taglatel. Taglatel Grande. Remember Ariana Grande we were calling it? Oh, yeah. This Ariana Grande.' I warn you, being struck with a large piece of pasta is an unpleasant and sometimes sticky experience. Ho, ho, sniggle. He, he, snuggle. Olaf cried in agreement, and the octopus whirled around. 
darling, it cried. These siblings were not surprised to see that it was Esme Squalor, Count Olaf's treacherous girlfriend, and another one of her sp- absurd stylish outfits. Using the slippery cloth as a submarine uni- of the submarine uniform, the villainous girlfriend had fashioned an octopus dress out of two large plastic eyes, uh, with two large plastic eyes, six extra sleeves, and suction cups stuck all over her boots, just as a real octopi have on their tentacles to help them move around. Esme took a few sticky steps towards Olaf and then peered at the children beneath the slippery hood of the, of the dress. Are these the Baudelaire's? She asked, astonishment. How can that be? We already celebrated their deaths. Turns out they survived, Olaf said, but their good luck is about to come to an end. I'm taking them to the brig. The baby has certainly grown, Esme's peering at Fiona. Oh, but she's just as ugly as she ever was. No, no, Olaf said. That baby's locked up in that helmet, coughing her little lungs out. This is Fiona, Captain Wittershin's stepdaughter. The captain abandoned her. Abandoned her, Esme repeated. How in, how stylish, how marvelous. This calls for more of of our new laughter. Ha ha, hedgecad. Teehee, hemfesh. Olaf cried. Life keeps on getting better and better. Sniggle ho ho, Esme shrieked in our tri- I know. Our triumph is just around the corner. Ha ha, Heppelwhite, Wolof cried. VFD will be reduced to the ash- to ashes forever. Giggle, 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 glander problems. Esme cried. We're going to be painfully wealthy. Ha ha, deep a ho ho ha, Olaf shouted. The world will always remember the names of the wonderful submarine. What is the name of the submarine, Fiona asked. And the children's relief to the villainous stopped, ir- stopped their irritating laughter. Olaf glared at the mycologist and then looked on the ground. The Carmelita, he admitted quickly. I wanted to call it the Olaf, but somebody made me change it. The Olaf is a cake-sniffing name, cried a rude voice. Cried a rude voice that the siblings had hoped they'd never hear again. And I'm sorry to say that Carmelita Spatz skipped into the room, sneering at the Baudelaire's as she did so. Carmelia had always been sort of an unpleasant person who believed that she was prettier and smarter than everyone else, and Violet and Klaus saw instantly that she had become even more spoiled under the care of Olaf and Esme. She was dressed in an outfit perhaps more absurd than Esme's squalors, in different shades of pink, so so blinding that Violet and Klaus had to squint in order to look at her. Around her waist was a wide, frilly tutu, which is a skirt used during ballet performances and on her head was an enormous pink crown decorated with pink ribbons and dark pink flowers she had two wings taped to her back two pink hearts drawn on her cheeks and two different pink shoes on each foot which made an unpleasant slapping sound as she walked around her neck with a stethoscope such as a doctor would use with pink puff balls pasted all over it and in one hand she had a long pink wand with a pink bright star at the end of it stop looking at my outfit she complained to the Baudelaire scornfully. You're just jealous of me because I'm tap dancing ballerina, fairy princess, veterinarian. You look adorable. You look adorable, darling. Ed Pier- purred Esme, patting her on the crown. Doesn't she look adorable, Olaf? I suppose so, Olaf muttered. I wish you would ask me before di- dis- taking my disguises. But, County, I need your disguises. Car- Carmelita whined, batting her eyes in which were covered with pink glitter. I needed a special outfit for my special tap-dancing ballerina fairy princess veterinarian dance recital. Several of the children groaned at their oars. Please no, cried one of the snow scouts. Her dance, reci- her dance recitals last for hours. Oh my god, she's like the principal of the, of the school. 
Have mercy on us, cried another child. Carmelita Spatz is the most talented dancer in this universe, Esme growled, snapping snapping the noodle over the rower's head. You brats should be grateful that she's performing for you. It'll help you row. Ugh, Sunny cried, not saying it from inside her helmet as could not help from saying it from inside her helmet as if the idea of Carmelita's dance recital were making everyone sicker. The elder Baudelaire looked at at one the elder Baudelaire's looked at one another to, and imagined how they could help their young sibling. I think we have a pink cape around the cleek leg, Klaus hurried said hurriedly. It looks perfect for Carmelita. It'll just run on the It'll just run back to, or I'll just run back to the submarine and I don't want your old clothes, you cake sniffer, Carmelita said scornfully. Tap dancing ballerina princess veterans don't wear, don't wear hand-me-downs. Isn't she precious? Ooh, Esme cooed. She is like the adopted child I never had, except for you, Baudelaire, of course, but I never liked you much. Are you going to stay and watch me count, County? Carmelita said. This is going to be the most special dance recital in the whole wide world. There's too much work to do, Count Olaf said hastily. I have to throw these children in the brig and my associates can force them to reveal the locations of the sugar bowl. You like the sugar bowl more than me, Carmelita pouted. Of course we don't, darling, Esme said. Olaf, tell her that the sugar bowl does not mean a thing to you. Tell her she's like a wonderful marshmallow in the middle of our lives. You're a marshmallow, Carmelita, Olaf said, and then he pushed the children out of the room. I'll see you later. Hey, tell Hookie to be extra vicious with those brats, Exme said, whipping that tail, tell, taglatel grande over her fake octopus head. And now, on with the show. Count Olaf ushered the children out of the room, and Carmelita's fats began tapping and twirling in front of the rowers. The elder Baudelaire's were almost grateful to the almost grateful to go to the brig rather than being forced to watch the tap dancing princess fairy, tap dancing ballerina fairy princess veteran dance recital. Olaf dragged them down another hallway and tw- that twisted this way and that, curving right to the left where the snake of the mechanical octopus had eaten and finally stopped in front of the small door with the metal eye on the doorknob ought to, where the doorknob ought to have been. This is the brig, Count Olaf cried. Ha ha, harder sherry. Sunny coughed once more from inside her helmet a rough and loud cough that sounded worse than before. Medusoid mycelium was clearly continuing its ghastly growth, and the violet had once more tried to convince the villain to let him help her. Please go back to the Queequeg, she said. Can you hear her coughing? Yes, Count Olaf said, but I don't care. Please, Klaus cried. It's a matter of life and death. It certainly is, Olaf sneered. My associates will make you reveal the location of the sugar bowl if he has to tear you apart to do so. Listen to my friends, Fiona said. Aye, we're in a terrible situation. Oh, I wouldn't say that, Count Olaf said with a wicked smile as the door creaked open to reveal a small bare room. There was nothing in the room but a stool, which a man sat, shuffling a deck of cards with quite a bit of difficulty. How can a family reunion be terrible? Olaf shoved and inside the room, slamming the door behind them. Man sat in the deck. Okay, who's the guy? Violet and Klaus faced Olaf's associate and turned to the diving helmet to see Sonny's face him just so Sonny could see his face too the siblings were not surprised of course that the person shuffling the cars was the hook-handed man and they were not at all happy to see him and they were quite scared that their time in the in the brig would bring would make it impossible to save Sonny from the mushroom growth inside of her helmet but when they looked at Fiona they saw the mycologist was 
quite surprised at who she saw in the brig and quite happy to see the man who stood up in front of the of his stool and waved his hooked hands in amazement. Fiona, the hook-handed man cried. Fernald, Fiona said, and it seemed like they just might save Sunny after all. Wow, who the heck is this guy? <laughs>